0: On the air with the Midday Program from the Rural Radio Network. And Dirk Christensen with you here. We have information of all kinds on the way for you. We preview it now with what we call the round table. It's anything but round. But we are, so I guess that makes up the difference. Oblong table? <laughs> it might be that. We rounded off the edges a long time ago. Joe Gangwish, Just has, like us, right? Exactly. Yep.
1: <laughs> Joe Gangwish has the ag headlines for you. Hey, at 1213, lawmakers will use uh, the Farm Bill hearing to uh, push back on some proposed USDA budget cuts. That took place this week. Uh, very interesting comments made by Senator Pat Roberts of Kansas. And we'll get to that in our Ag News coming up at 12.13. Shaley has our weekly weather update with AD, as we used to call him around here. Mm-hmm. Al Dutcher, mm-hmm. Nebraska Extension climatologist. He'll tell us about the coming week's weather. Uh, at 12.45 in our Newsmaker segment, our Newsmaker today, Stan Garbits. He is the Nebraska Department of Agriculture Trade Representative. He will talk with Susan at the U.S. Meat Export Federation meeting about uh, work being done for Nebraskans on trade from that meeting. And then at 117, we're excited to start a new series, and this will be kind of both audio and video. If you go to our website, ruralradio.com, you'll see the video aspect as well. It's called Fridays in the Field, and Shaylee Peters has our first installment on that. What we're going to do is we're going to follow individual growers throughout the growing season. Oh. So Shaylee will take one, Jesse will take one, on throughout the on down the line. We'll follow them through the growing season and get updates on their crops as the season progresses. Uh, so Shaylee has the first one today. The audio aspect of that's at 117.
2: You guys show up and help out, you know, do some roguing later, haul some pipe, throw some. Beer. Yeah, I'd, <laughs> throw
1: some they certainly could. I, You know, they could help me with mine, so. Except I'm yeah, dry land. I don't do any irrigating. I, um, I had enough of that as a kid. That's
2: a palatial <laughs> spread you have there. Yeah, so. that's right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, we're excited to bring you that. And as I mentioned, uh, you can catch the video part on the website.
0: Yeah, fair.
1: How many acres do you do then? It's just it's, it ends up being about seven. Does it? You spend more time getting ready. Tearing down, cleaning out the sprayer than you actually do, but <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, it aspect. keeps
0: Joe in touch. It does. It does. Absolutely does. It does, it, it, and it, it's fun,
2: and it makes for great pictures on Facebook with his vintage equipment yeah, that he keeps it, it, So that's yeah. pretty cool. All right, Jason. Sports, <laughs> Big Ten tournament. They are into the third day. Of course, they uh, shuffled the deck on us uh, late last night uh, when they announced that the Nebraska. Iowa game will not start till this afternoon. The first game, it's quite a matchup between Northwestern and Minnesota. They are tied at seven in that one. Hmm. Late in that game, now yesterday's first game went four and a half hours. Second, Uh, I, I, I I have a feeling that Nebraska and Iowa will not start in an hour. Yeah, probably not. I could be wrong. We will see. But with the way this Northwestern, Minnesota, it it has the look and feel (laughs) of extra innings
0: to me. (laughs) This thing on BTN has just looked like it's in slow motion. Oh,
2: it has gone slow. So uh, Huskers (laughs) and Iowa this afternoon also will touch on some NBA and NHL and Creighton. They continue to host the Big East Tournament. They'll play tonight at 630 against Xavier.
0: Very good. And we have Bob Brogan on the business.
3: Well, we're watching things, and stocks are flat today. Um, Also, the GDP has been revised up but is still weak. Durable goods orders fall. Some BMWs are being recalled, and lots of folks will be... Taking to the roads and uh, also to the skies this weekend. Gas prices have increased prior to the Memorial Day weekend. Gee, I can't go anywhere now. Oh, I mean, shucks. If they've increased them, I can't go. You had such big plans, too. Right.
0: Hope you've got plans for the big Memorial weekend, but don't leave before you hear today's midday. I don't know, but that radar last night in some places looked pretty angry.
4: Yeah, and then it just kind of dived southeast and died out rather quickly. Didn't make it too far to the east last night with those thunderstorms.
0: Paul Perkins has our midday ag weather presented by Holdridge Irrigation. Do we get a repeat performance tonight?
4: Uh, Potentially. We are looking at uh, the potential basically over the same area of some severe storms a uh, possibility over southwest nebraska northwest kansas on into the southern panhandle also the northeast part of colorado right now some stubborn clouds hanging on in portions of central nebraska from about lexington on over to holdage right along i-80 and points to the north otherwise a lot of sunny skies across the area and temperatures starting to warm up across the area we will see sunshine for most of the day north winds and seasonal temperatures behind that front to move through yesterday Late-day thunderstorms, once again, expected to develop as you head towards the high plains. Those will track to the east for tonight on into tomorrow. Now, some of the storms may be severe with some hail and high winds as the main threats. There is a slight risk of severe storms over southwest Nebraska, northwest Kansas, and northeast Colorado, also the southern Nebraska panhandle. They have shortened up that slight risk area over um, west-central areas of Nebraska and western Kansas. It's now... Along and west of a line from about North Platte down to Hill City is where we do have a slight risk of thunderstorms that will be severe. Otherwise, a moderate risk of severe storms expected across the area. The main threat is going to be some hail and some high winds. The marginal risk of some severe thunderstorm is going to be into eastern locations due to the later arrival of those thunderstorms in the overnight hours because in central areas of Nebraska, not expecting those thunderstorms to really start organizing or making it into the region until after midnight. Rain and thunderstorm chances linger into tomorrow. Primarily in the morning, we will see those skies clear for tomorrow night. Going to be kind of a cloudy, cool day for tomorrow, but don't worry. Sunshine on the way for the majority of the holiday weekend for Sunday into Monday looks to be dry. The next chance of moisture after this system going to be a slight chance of thunderstorms for Monday night. Temperatures about seasonably cool on the backside of a blocked area of low pressure that's currently centered over Canada. A better chance of thunderstorms arriving onto the plains by Wednesday and Thursday, but a likely chance of some thunderstorms for tonight mainly in the late night hours in western areas, or in central areas, early on in the evening in western areas. In our long-term forecast, temperatures for Nebraska and Kansas mostly near normal or seasonal for Wednesday through the first eight days of June. There is a better chance of it being warmer towards the 8th. Near normal to above normal precipitation predicted In Nebraska and Kansas, Wednesday through June 8th, looks like Kansas with the better chances of being above normal with rainfall. Soil temperatures at the 4-inch depth at 7 this morning in the upper 40s to low 50s across the Panhandle. Those soil temperatures in the mid to upper 50s basically found in a swath from northeast to southwest Nebraska and northwest Kansas. The warmest soil temperatures in the low 60s from Grand Island and Hastings and Norton, Kansas, and those points to the southeast. Weather factors driving market trade today include heavy rain in the eastern Midwest and their forecast still staying there. Also developing dry conditions in the northern plains. Quickening thunderstorms will spread east from the nation's midsection and reach the Ohio Valley for tomorrow. Then the south and east U.S. Warmth will continue to build across the far west over the weekend and early next week. But cool air will again settle across the Midwest. Additional Moderate to heavy rain will fall across the south and east Midwest the next seven days, and that's going to maintain the wet soils for them, river valley flooding, and unfavorable row crop conditions. The western Midwest, less rain and more favorable conditions. Scattered rain expected across the southern plains. That will interrupt the wheat harvest in Texas, but not a big concern. Right now, the wheat harvest 20% complete in Texas. That's well above the five-year average of 7%. A drier pattern in the northern plains bears some watching for possible negative impacts to spring wheat. Currently, it's abnormally dry to a moderate drought across the northern half of South Dakota through the southern half of North Dakota. It will be somewhat drier over the weekend and early next week in the western Canadian prairies. longer range forecasts, though, indicate more rain may return late next week and next weekend and that's in an area that's seen well above normal precipitation the past 60 days and longer. Dry areas of north central Ukraine will see some moisture in the next few days. Periodic showers are forecast for northeast China crop areas the next week where soil moisture recently improved.
0: Midday Ag Weather is presented by Holdridge Irrigation. I guess the uh, key is make sure you got something to duck under on Saturday before you uh, try to take it all outside Sunday and
4: Monday. Uh, you bet. Yeah, it could be a little bit wet early on, especially on uh, tomorrow morning. Uh, the main threat of these thunderstorms is going to be during the evening tonight and then the overnight in central sections. Okay.
0: Very good. Hope you have a great one. And uh, whenever you need weather at any
1: time during the day or night,
4: KRVN.com.
1: look at ag news on the roll radio network i'm joe ganguish well lawmakers using farm bill hearings yesterday to push back on proposed usda budget cuts as they heard testimony from economists on the problems in farm country Leaders of the Senate Ag Committee yesterday said there should be no more cuts to Farm Bill programs. Committee Chairman Pat Roberts of Kansas and a ranking member Debbie Stabenow from Michigan they made statements two days after President Trump's budget called for massive cuts in money and personnel over the next 10 years. At what he described as the first farm bill hearing in Washington, Senator Roberts acknowledged that the national debt is approaching 20 trillion. But he said that between the savings from the last farm bill and the USDA crop insurance contract negotiation, everyone in this committee, he agrees that ag is already given up, uh, given at the store. He says whoever negotiated the contract cut to crop insurance, uh, two top farm bill cuts, had made some relationship with Lizzie Borden. Robert said, uh, he, parting from his prepared remarks, he said farmers and ranchers and rural families understand fiscal responsibility. And he says we need to ensure that producers have risk management tool, tools at their disposal. He says, let me emphasize that, that crop insurance is the most valuable tool in the risk management toolbox. He then repeated that statement two or three times at the request of Senator Heidi Heitkamp. Of North Dakota and also Senator Luther Strange of Alaska who is the newest member of the Ag Committee in a statement apparently intended for farm lobbyists as well as the committee members. He also said we need a farm bill that meets the needs of producers all across the nation on all needs of crops. In the country. Well, Senator Deb Fisher of Nebraska feels that agriculture should have been treated a little more fairly in President Trump's budget proposal this week. In her weekly conference call with reporters, Fisher says she does disagree with the president when it comes to ag budget aspects.
3: Uh, I don't believe that ag producers uh, should be targeted uh, the way they were in this budget, especially with regards to crop insurance. For me, crop insurance uh, protection is the number one priority that I have as the new farm bill is going to be renegotiated. One thing I'll be uh, watching closely, and I have a good relationship with the Ag Committee Chairman, uh, Senator Pat Roberts from Kansas, and he and I have, um, have discussed this already.
1: Fisher was quick to remind reporters in that call that the president proposes the budget, but Congress will be determining the spending levels Our Fridays in the field which is a feature highlighting a different aspect in areas of Nebraska agriculture kicks off today Shaley Peters catches up with one central Nebraska grower to get things started
5: in the heart of irrigation country in America County Nebraska farmer Ben Peters says the recent heavy rains are already putting stress on his crops
6: I just think we're behind already just from the cold weather I would really like to be farther along right now this some of this corn as early as it got planted we should be cultivating and side dressing already and we're going to be i'm going to hold off on that for another week or so the issue with that is the weeds haven't stopped growing the corn stopped growing but the weeds are are still going pretty strong so i think we're going to be fighting weeds the rest of the year
5: Peter's farms near Worms, Nebraska, and grows primarily corn and soybeans. He says the recent weather has dampened his outlook. Some
6: not as optimistic as I did when I started planting, because that was, um, you know, we got it, we got the corn planted a good time. I think I started planting soybeans the fifth of May we got to rain in between corn and bean planting. The beans all look really good so far. Uh, the corn has struggled
1: a little bit early.
5: Approximately four inches of rain fell there last week with the potential for more headed into the weekend. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Shaylee Peters.
1: And that's our ag information. I'm Joe Gangwish. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network
5: it's time again this week to visit with our nebraska extension agricultural climatologist al dutcher i'm Shaylee peters on the royal radio network and al seeing some drying this week for all of those that saw so much rain the week before uh is this something we can expect headed into the weekend or are we looking to see some more precipitation this this weekend
3: well, I think the first half of the weekend is where the real problems lie. And and we have this system that's moving out of the western United States, once again another upper air trough that will cross the northern plains. And we're getting that moisture feed out of the central Rockies. And with that trough in the upper atmosphere working against that moisture source, We actually seen thunderstorm development uh, in the northeastern corner of Colorado and, of course, southwestern Nebraska and northeastern or northwestern Kansas yesterday and yesterday evening. And that complex just moved light along the Nebraska border and basically moved off into Missouri. I expect the same process itself to evolve today, particularly in the southwest corner. Looks like the highest risk for severe weather. And then the question of how far will it progress eastward during the overnight? hours is the ultimate question, but it looks like a fairly decent shot for the western half of the state to see anywhere from a half an inch to an inch of moisture, with the highest totals going to be associated with the, the thunderstorm activity development in the southwest corner of the state. Tomorrow, that system pushes a little bit farther east, where we start to see drying develop across the panhandle. Uh, temperatures are going to be fairly seasonable, maybe slightly cooler than normal, but when we say slightly cooler, just a few degrees below normal, and then we'll see that precipitation Shields uh, move through the eastern part of the state. And depending on which model you look at, it's either going to clear out tomorrow after, or excuse me, tomorrow afternoon or early in the day on Sunday, and then we're left with clear skies on Mon- or Sunday and Monday. So a very nice day for Memorial Day weekend. The trough will strengthen over the Great Lakes, bringing in that cool air once again to our counterparts to the east, along with associated precipitation. So there's going to be some more problems in those hard-hit areas that have been persistently wet. And on the northwest flow, there are signs that maybe a couple of impulses will move on the backside of that upper air low and switch down through the state, particularly targeting central western Nebraska with some very isolated thunderstorms at this point in time and a more robust precipitation pattern possibly developing as we get late into next week. And even that is questionable as the models are seem to be jumping around quite a bit. But there does seem to be some convergence of precipitation, basically, uh, in the central plains, primarily targeting the southern half of Nebraska and northern Kansas. Uh, much warmer air remains in place. It doesn't look like we're going to see any uh, significant cool down with above normal temperatures projected as we go into next and the following week, and I think we're going to be back well into the 80s, maybe even an isolated 90 in the southwest if the models hold sway, but that also means that relative humidities will increase and thunderstorm probabilities will probably increase along with that increase in temperatures because of the surface moisture and competing systems moving across the state so we get a break Good opportunity for hanging here once we get to into the Sunday-Monday time frame. And then it starts to get a little bit iffier as we move toward the middle of the week with some isolated thunderstorms but not broad-based coverage. So this might be our opportunity to catch up on some of those things that have been, uh, been put on the shelf due to the heavier precipitation and the cooler than normal conditions. Looks like we're moving into our summer pattern, which is warmer temperatures, higher humidity levels, and occasional rounds of thunderstorm activity.
5: All right. Thanks so much, Nebraska Extension Agricultural Climatologist Al Dutcher, visiting with us this week. For more on this, you can visit ruralradio.com. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Shaley Peters.
0: You're listening to Midday on the Rural Radio Network, and it's time to check sports with Jason Jorgensen.
2: Hey, thanks a lot, Dirk. Well, the third day of the Big Ten tournament is underway. Minnesota and Northwestern are still playing at this time. Northwestern leads it 11-7 to going into the ninth inning. But due to the fact that this game has gone so long, it is pushing back the Nebraska-Iowa game even further. The Huskers and Hawkeyes were just about to, supposed to start at this time. That certainly will not happen. Now, the Minnesota-Northwestern loser takes on Indiana at four. The Nebraska-Iowa loser is supposed to take on Maryland. Maryland tonight at 7.30, but that game may or may not happen due to the curfew rule again. Keep it here to your local station for details. The Creighton baseball team won 4-1 over Seton Hall in their first game of the Big E's tournament at TD Ameritrade Park. Blue Jays are now 24-23 and on the year. They will take on Xavier tonight at 6.30. The NBA Finals will be a three-match, if you will. Cleveland will battle Golden State for the NBA title for the third year in a row. That's after the Cavaliers eliminated the Celtics in Game 5 of that series last night in Boston. Now the Warriors will host Game 1 of the Finals. That will not start until next Thursday. The Pittsburgh Penguins are returning to the Stanley Cup Finals after knocking off Ottawa last night in Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals. Their 3-2 double overtime victory gives the Penguins a chance to become the first team to win back-to-back Stanley Cups since the 1997 and 98 Detroit Red Wings. Rafael Nadal could face Novak Djokovic in the semifinals of the French Open in his quest for a tenth title at Roland Garros. 4 in Nadal, the only player with nine trophies from one Grand Slam tournament, has certainly been the dominant player of late. He's won 17 straight matches on his favorite surface, while Djokovic has been struggling with his form and confidence. He's hired a new coach in Andre Agassi. And former Oregon coach Chip Kelly is joining ESPN as a studio analyst for next season. ESPN made that announcement today. Kelly will primarily be part of Saturday pregame, halftime, and wrap-up shows on ESPN. He also will provide NFL analysis on Sundays during Sports Center. The 53-year old kelly spent the last four seasons in the nfl coaching philadelphia for three years and san francisco for just one that is a look at sports have a great afternoon i'm jason jorgensen stay tuned more midday is just ahead you are listening to the rural radio network
7: Today's sunny with a high near 75, north winds only about 5 to 15. For tonight, showers and thunderstorms likely mainly after 1 a.m., increasing clouds with a low of around 54. For Saturday, there is a 50% chance of showers and thunderstorms mainly before 1 p.m., and then cloudy with a high near 66. From the KRV News Center, I'm Scott Foster. The Memorial Day weekend kicks off the summer swim season, so it's also time to think about safety. AP correspondent Shelley Adler reports.
8: The USA Swimming Foundation is issuing $324,000 in grants this year to its Make a Splash program. Why? We really feel learning to swim is a life skill. It's just as important as having every child in a car seat. And Executive Director Debbie Hassey, says they want to help families that can afford swim lessons. 79% of the households in the country making making less than 50,000 are not swimming. And so we really want to change that. That Make a Splash program helps fund reduced-cost swim lessons to more than 25,000 children at 71 pools across the country. I'm Shelley.
7: If you're going to a barbecue, you won't be the only one on the road this weekend. AAA spokesman Tamara Johnson says most people will be hitting the pavement to travel rather than going by sky.
8: We are projecting that about 39 million people will be traveling this Memorial Day weekend, and majority of those travelers will be driving.
7: According to the AAA website, gas prices have increased prior to the Memorial Day weekend. As of May 22nd, the national average is two cents more than a week prior, six cents less than a month ago, but eight cents more than a year ago. Financial documents show Cabela's had been trying to sell itself months before an investor declared it big stake and publicly pushed for the sale. Documents filed with the Securities and Exchange Commission this week detail the year-long process to sell the Nebraska-based outdoor gear retailer. Filings show Cabela's management privately discussed selling the company as early as June of 2015. Elliott Management, a New York-based hedge fund, declared an 11% stake in October of 2015, saying it would press for a sell. Elliott was in contact with Cabela's before its declaration. Bass Pro Shops announced in October of 2016 it would buy Cabela's for $5.5 billion, consolidating headquarters in Springfield, Missouri. Cabela's is currently headquartered in the Nebraska panhandle in the city of Sydney. Get the latest forecast and live severe weather reporting around the clock on KRVN and krvn.com. From the
8: News Center, I'm Scott Foster. A lot of work happening behind the scenes when it comes to exports. Good afternoon, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. The U.S. Meat Export Federation's spring conference is underway in Arlington, Virginia. I caught up with the Nebraska Department of Agriculture's Trade Representative, Stan Garbitz, as he talked about being in the right place at the right time. He was in China talking pork genetics when news broke of beef possibly getting back into China. But we first talked about the importance of those exports from the hog side.
9: Yes, it is. And uh, we've been working for the last number of years in trying to promote additional sales of uh, U.S. and specifically Nebraska swine genetics. And been working with the Ministry of Agriculture and also with the China Agricultural Animal Association. And they put on a uh, forum every two years. uh, On It's actually the Chinese uh, pig forum. And I was asked to speak to it this year uh, in Chendao, and so that was a great opportunity for for uh, swine genetics from the u s
8: What is enticing them? to look to the United States, and and specifically Nebraska when it comes to genetics.
9: Well, they understand that with the technology that we've been able to develop, and I spend a little bit of time talking about uh, Nebraska, University of Nebraska, and Lincoln being a land-grant university, and what that is and why that's important to all of agriculture in Nebraska and the other states that have them and so they've been looking towards us we've been working with them they understand you know the the emphasis they we put on quality and not only in the genetics but the feeding uh, the uh, the nutrients and everything else and our management practices that we've been able to develop so that's why they're looking towards us
8: perfect timing though for you to be in China when the announcement came that they were working on those renegotiations of getting beef back full strength into the country
9: Absolutely, and uh, that happened on the Friday before I left on Sunday, and so I was able to uh, meet with some of the people that I've already known in the Ministry of Agriculture there to discuss, you know, their negotiations they had with USDA, and it was nice to hear what I knew before I left, and then being able to listen to them saying basically the same thing. And what really impressed me was their real positive outlook and their their interest in really wanting to get this thing put together and uh, and do it quickly
8: i don't know if nebraskans really understand the full spectrum of, of what you guys are doing when you go over to these trade missions or just to go over to the countries to have these meetings and the promotion that you do for nebraska products whether it's agriculture or not
9: uh... right and uh, I speak sometimes to university classes, and one thing that I really like to discuss with them is the fact that only in the United States do we do everything digitally. And once you get outside the United States, it's all based on on face-to-face communication. Sure, we email each other, but it's only because we, we see each other on a regular basis that we develop a relationship that we can use to to work together and I think that that's probably the most important thing in anything internationally is to be able to say that you know it's not just a a work deal it's also a personal deal and uh, because of that we're always working together we have some laughs and at the end of the day we both accomplish what we know is good for for us whether it's they give a little bit this time we give a little next time but it's for the good for both of us.
8: Perfect example. Director Iba on Saturday when he and I were talking was talking about a trip to Belgium. Work that's been in the process for over a year behind the scenes that folks didn't really know about.
9: Exactly. Uh we were we had the opportunity to work with U.S. Meat Export Federation and the Nebraska Corn Board on this uh mission to throughout Europe uh last year, and we were able to meet one of the top uh, meat buyers for Metro. And uh at that point we started developing this relationship, and as Greg probably told you, that they came over then in September, and we spent some time not only with the packer, but also taking them out to the uh, feedlots at Feed for the EU and sat down, ate with them, talked to them, and then that developed into being able to go and, and uh, make these presentations with not only Greg, but also with Dr. Chris Hawkins from the University of Nebraska, and to be able to talk to uh, almost all of their meet uh, managers from all over the world and telling them about the benefits and and why they should and they do, and they are now going to do it.
8: It is great news, and of course, continue to say thank you for what you do and promoting what Nebraska producers do every day.
9: Well, it's really a privilege, and like I said, sometimes I do have an easy job because we have, you know, the best products in the world. Where can you go in the world and find uh, better quality ag products than in Nebraska? We have everything. I talked about the land-grant universities, the research, but our natural resource and the most important thing, our producers. That will it's, it's their farm, and that's what people don't understand, is in other countries, they own farms, but somebody else works on them. Our farmers live on the farm. Their kids live on the farm. They want it to be sustainable, and they want it to be safe, and they want the best quality product to leave that farm, and that's why our job is somewhat easy. If you can convince them, please try it once.
8: And the relationship is here. When you, you're here attending the USMEF spring conference, you definitely see the conversations that happen in the hallways around the water cooler are just as vitally important as what happens behind the doors when the meetings are going on.
9: And you know, it's, it's I learned that a long time ago. And
8: it, my conversation with Stan Garbus, the Ag Trade Representative for the Nebraska Department of Agriculture, in Arlington, Virginia. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network.
10: Back on the Rural Radio Network, let's get some livestock comments from Jerry Stoll of Country Futures, Frankfort, Kansas, after today's cattle on feed report. What did you think?
11: Good afternoon. Uh, we uh, we did see the uh, report come out, and it had a negative reaction. Um, the numbers by the USDA released were total cattle on feed, one hundred and two percent of a year ago. Placement number was the uh, very surprise coming in at one eleven. And marketing number came in strong at one oh three. The trade had been looking for a marketing uh or a placement number in that one hundred six seven area and uh coming in five percent above a year ago brought selling into futures. Now looking at the weight breakdown of those cattle placed, less than six hundred pounds were up four percent, six to seven hundred pounds up thirteen percent. And the number I think that caught your eyes was those seven to seven hundred and ninety nine pound cattle up. 126% 20, 126% from a year ago, and the nine pounds cattle up 6%. So all those cattle point towards that August through October period. And when they come out, we started seeing selling, and we saw sharp losses as a result today.
10: And is that heavier number that you mentioned, up 126%, that is a pretty big number when you compare to normal reports?
11: Well, that's right, Dewey. And when you look at what's going on in May here, we're thinking these May placements are going to be in the... Uh, 11, 12, 13 percent higher when we get next month's report, and a lot of those cattle were very heavy cattle coming off the of weed in the southern plains. This did
10: not affect the lean hogs, however, did
11: it? Well, they've been in a world of their own. It seems like one goes up and the other one down, but uh, we've seen a good move here in these hogs. Uh, it's been a very seasonal move here, uh, and uh, oftentimes you know, they fairly strong into the summer in pork.
10: Thanks for the comments. Jerry Stoll, Country Futures, Frankfurt, Kansas. Go to CountryFutures.com. I'm Dewey Nelson.
5: This week kicks off our very first Fridays in the Field segment a feature highlighting different aspects and areas of Nebraska agriculture. I'm Shaylee Peters today on the Rural Radio Network, and the producer I'll be checking in with throughout the growing season this year is central Nebraska farmer Ben Peters. And Ben, you farm near Worms, Nebraska here and grow primarily corn and soybeans, and we're here today in one of your corn fields, so why don't you just start out by giving us an update on where you're at with this season here.
6: I started planting the 17th of April. I think I was done with corn the 27th. If I remember right, maybe it was the 24th. This field that we're in now, I planted the 19th of April. I would say with the weather and the rain and everything, we had like I think four inches of rain last week. We're, this corn is probably a week behind where it should be. Uh, it's been pretty yellow. After the last couple of days, it's starting to green up a little bit and it's starting to grow. So I think it should straighten out here in the next week or so.
5: So to lay some groundwork, go into what you and others grow in this area, what the soil is like.
6: Uh, I just grow corn and soybeans. Uh, I've done non-GMO corn. There is some popcorn in the area, and you get east of here a few miles. There is some seed corn also, but it's mostly commercial corn and soybeans. Uh, Around this area, we go anywhere from sand to sandy loam. There's some silt loam, and then we've got some alkali. Uh, So drainage, in some places drainage is an issue, and in some places we're too well-drained, I guess you would say.
5: Something that's a bit unique to your area is not only how heavily irrigated it is, but also the type of irrigation used, is that right?
6: Yeah, so we've got just a couple hundred acres of ridge-tilled stuff um, that is gravity irrigated. A lot of this ground was leveled back in the 50s and 60s, and is still watered that same way. There are a lot more pivots now. There is some drip irrigation, so there's kind of all different variety of irrigation, but... We do have uh, some uh, gravity irrigation and and pivot irrigation, not very much dry land here.
5: And on your farm, you also employ a variety of farming practices?
6: Yeah, I ridge-till, strip-till, and no-till. I ridge-till the gravity-irrigated stuff and the the low ground that doesn't drain well. And I strip-till corn-on-corn in the sandier ground and under pivots, and then I no-till beans into corn stalks.
5: Okay, so going back to where you're at with your season, you recently received some heavy rains. How has that impacted your crops?
6: Yeah, I just think we're behind already, just from the cold weather. I w- would really like to be farther along right now. This some of this corn, as early as it got planted, we should be cultivating and side dressing already, and we're going to be. I'm going to hold off on that for another week or so. Um, the issue with that is the weeds haven't stopped growing. The corn stopped growing, but the weeds are are still going pretty strong. So. I think we're going to be fighting weeds the rest of the year.
5: And looking out into the rest of the summer and even towards fall, how would you say you feel about this year?
6: Not as optimistic as I did when I started planning because that was, um, you know, we got it, we got the corn planted a good time. I think I started planting soybeans the fifth of May. We got a rain in between corn and bean planting. The beans all look really good so far. Uh, the corn has struggled a little bit early. Um, I think you know in general. It should be a good year. The biggest thing here is is hail and wind. As long as we can stay away from that, I think we'll will be okay it's kind of hard to tell this early though
5: all right thanks for the update central nebraska farmer ben peters joining us today to kick off our fridays in the field segment each friday we'll feature a grower from a different part of the state to update on how their season is going and you can keep up with us by finding rural radio network on facebook and twitter or visiting ruralradio.com i'm Shaylee peters and you're listening today to the rural radio network <music>
10: Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network as we visit with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter, This Week in Grain. Spreading. What does that usually mean? You said there's spread activity in the grains today.
12: Well... You know, so basically, I think this is all a soybean story, and soybeans is pinned against wheat and beans in a lot of different trades. Uh, when these funds are really short like they are, a lot of their positions could be tied up being long somewhere else. And I think with beans breaking like they are, you're probably seeing some lifting, meaning you're selling that November soybean contract and buying, say, December corn or buying November 7, 18 or wheat. So you've seen all of those markets. Uh, everyone I mentioned were, was almost positive day. The the 18 bean contract was just about unchanged. So tells me here we hit some stops on the 17 contracts. Um, again, I, I I think this was I say predictable, and uh, this is happening the way I think a lot of the uh, analysts out there thought it would. You know, big acres, the the planting story so far is good, and I think the market's reflecting that. I wouldn't get bearish on these breaks. Certainly, there's downside, but. You know, when you look at the crop insurance prices, uh, if you took you know 80% RP, you're you're you know not that far off where the futures are right now. And you throw in the basis, you might even be there. So, in my opinion, I know that the, there probably is a little more downside to go. I wouldn't be shocked to see this thing break into the 920s. But today was options expiration for the June contracts or the June options, rather than the cereal months, and I think you had some exacerbation of the trade there. So this is where you want to be I say getting bullish, but this is where you want to be on the other foot. If you are bullish or you have been hedging then this is where you come to lift. If not, I think the market could uh could certainly reverse uh uh you know in the coming days here. I, a lot of good news is for you as far as yield goes, it gets priced in. So uh on the other side of the coin, corn has been a beneficial of it where you've had the buying coming in, um, you know, July three seventy three close. I I you know, could see three eighty in the cards, but I think at that point you've gotta seriously look at uh, you know, booking up some some of, the, some of the, either the basis or, you know, flat price here is, uh, you've you got to start getting that, that squared away for your midsummer deliveries.
10: And we're looking at a nice uptrend in wheat. What do you make of it?
12: Well, I think the story is in wheat, and I, I, if anything, we're going sideways here. I have a hard time believing we're going to see this thing break too, for, too much further. Uh, we have an Egyptian tender next week. That'll be really interesting to see where that comes in. So far, we're basically trading cash prices above, some cases, $20 per ton above where we are in the, in the flat price front month. So uh, I'm optimistic here. I certainly don't like to see the beans doing what they're doing and, and would point towards maybe more down days in the corn. But I think wheat has some legs here seasonally, tends to perform versus corn in June as well.
10: Thanks, John. John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago. Go to DanielsAgMarketing.com. Corn finishes 5 higher, soybeans 12 to 13 lower, wheat 6 to 7.5 higher. Dewey Nelson reporting.